morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made. Good. I have missed y'all. I've missed the opportunity. I enjoyed Paul's series. Uh, man, I'll tell you, if you missed it last week, you need to hear the recording. In fact, Paul, I want you to know that I, I went up and I took uh, this paper. And this paper may not mean much to any of y'all, but if you were here last week when Paul's message, he talked about sometimes for us to, to truly be Christ, we're going to have to get our hands dirty. We're going to have to get involved in people's lives. I have no idea what we stuck our hands in, but I was just believing that it was sanctified and, and I was like, God, you know my heart. And, and this will always represent that the church cannot just stay apart from the hurting world. We've got to be a part of the world. In fact, before I start my message today, I'd like to lead us in a moment of silence. I'm just going to put this here over Dino's. That's anointed now. I want to lead you all in a moment of silence for our country. You know, today, parents woke up in Newtown, Connecticut to empty beds. Husbands are missing their wives. And it really brought to the reality that in this world, there is evil. See, we, we, we want to pretend that there's no evil. We really want to pretend that everyone's really like us and that they love God and they may not be serving God, but there is no evil in this world. And unfortunately, there is. And we saw that in our society today, when this week, when eight young boys and 12 young girls lost their lives because of evil. And we as a church need to be praying for them. So would you all just bow your head for a moment? We're going to take a moment of silence. I'm going to lead you in a very quick prayer. Dearly Father, you said that you would give us peace. Peace not as the world gives, but your peace. And I pray that peace over those families that lost their children, lost their, their loved ones their brothers, their sisters, nieces, nephews, grandchildren. Father, we pray for the healing process that through this horrific deed that people's hearts would be turning to you for comfort and peace. That eternity would be brought into reality of the news. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them, be with them, we pray protection, not only over our children, but over our military that are serving. We realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers of darkness. So, fathers of the church, we pray. We pray for your peace and wisdom during these difficult times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Been excited to get back and be with you. And as I said, I appreciate Paul giving me the opportunity to have a couple Sundays and I wanted to talk to you about contrasting Christmas. And I have a, a question. I, you know, every once in a while, like, if you want to make a really huge announcement, I mean, something monumental, and if I were to tell you that because of some corporate sponsorships, money is no object in this announcement, I would probably seek some wisdom. You know, Matt... Matt, would you stand up, please? Matt is my kind of go-to guy. He's lives in, he works in one of the high-rises. He works with Fortune 500 companies. Matt, if I wanted to make an announcement, how would you recommend that we would announce this to the world? Money's no object. Money's no object. TV. Television. Radio. Radio. Online. Facebook. Uh, yeah, social networks. 
<laughs> Social network. Uh, mobile phones. Mobile phones. Outdoor board. Yeah. Maybe newspaper for the... I didn't think about it. Yes. Read. Q. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, normally it's Geico, but I do like that. Yeah. Now I know why you get the big dollars. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. I'm going to take all that into consideration. But I think what I'd really like to do, Matt, is I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to go down to Burleson. I like Burleson. It's a good town. And in the evening, I'm going to go start talking to the janitors in the evening and start telling them about this announcement. I think my way might be more effective than your way. Now, how many of y'all are just thinking, there's no way, Pastor Mark, your way is more effective than what Matt did? But in reality, that is how God chose to announce the birth of his son by going to shepherds in a field that were nobody's, outcasts, were not even allowed into the temple and made the greatest announcement this world could ever have fathomed. And he chose to do it through some lonely individuals. I have two passages I'm going to read to you today. In fact, Neela, are you here? Where are you at? Come on up, please. Neela's going to be reading our first passage. I thought you might want to hear a different voice accent. So this is Luke 2, verses 8 through 15. You ready? Yes. Shepherds were in the field near Bethlehem. They were taking turns watching their flock during the night. An angel from the Lord suddenly appeared to them. The glory of the Lord filled the area with light and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid, I have good news for you. A message that will fill everyone with joy. Today, your savior, Christ the Lord, was born in David's city. This is how you will recognize him. You will find an infant wrapped in stripes of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a large army of angels appeared with the angel. They were praising God by saying, Glory to God, the highest in heaven and on earth. Peace to those who have this, his good will. The angel left them and went back to heaven. The angels, sorry. The shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord has told us about. Thank you, Neela. Now, I don't know about you, but I love hearing that shepherds were really the first that were told about this. You know why? Because shepherds were just working people. They were nobodies. God loves nobodies. Do you understand that? God loves you and God loves me. And it's not because of our bank account or our prestige or our neighborhood or what we drive or what we wear. He loves us because of that. It's important that we realize that God loves the common people. Macy, would you come up and read our second passage? This passage is from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. They asked, where is the one who was born to be the king of the Jews? We have seen his star rising and we have come to worship him. When King Herod and all of Jerusalem heard about this, they became disturbed. He called together all chief priests and scribes and tried to find out from them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem, in Judea. The prophet wrote about this, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. A leader will come from you. He will shepherd my people, Israel. 
Then Herod secretly called the wise man and find out from him exactly where the star had appeared. As he sent them to Bethlehem, he said, Go, and search carefully for the child. When you have found him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. After they had heard the king, they started out. The star that they had seen rising led them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were overwhelmed with joy to see the star. When they entered the house, they saw that the child was his mother Mary, the child with his mother Mary. So they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirth. God warned them not to dream to go back to Herod. So they left for their country by another road. Thank you so much. And they had very little advance notice that they were gonna be reading today. So I wanna tell you thank you so much. Now, on this story, we have the wise men coming. The wise men represent the wealthy, the educated, the elite. And I want you to know that God loves the wealthy, the educated, and the elite. So we see that God loves the common man, and God loves the wealthy, educated, elite. But there's also a contrast in this whole story, as we're looking at, because when we read about King Herod, we see darkness, we see hatred, we see envy, fear, and we also see death. In Matthew 2.16, we read this horrible statement. When Herod saw that the wise men had tricked him, he became furious, and he sent soldiers to kill all the boys two years old and younger in or near Bethlehem. And this matched the exact time he had learned from the wise men. So my question today is why do people react like Herod did? Why do we have some people that when we talk about Christ, they come in order to worship? And yet when we bring Christ into other situations, we see fear, anger, hatred towards God, towards Christ. We see that in our society today. They're trying to remove Christ out of everything. We're going to look at the scriptures to talk about the contrast of Christmas. I have a very simple two-point message for you today, and then you'll get to the cake. <laughs> God can work with people who are prepared to receive his message. God works with those who are prepared to receive his message. The shepherds, the wise men, they were both prepared for this event. So what do you mean they were prepared for this event? Well, I want you to know that Bethlehem is not that far from Jerusalem. In fact, there's just some rolling hills that separate the, two, the little town from the big city. The shepherds that maintained the fields were really considered outcasts in society. They were not allowed into the temple they were considered lowly. And they were there taking care of sheep. Now, if you know anything about Jewish law, Jewish customs required that a family once a year would travel to Jerusalem and make a sacrifice for their sins. And normally that sacrifice was a lamb. Well, they wouldn't travel with the lamb, so what they would do is they would travel to Jerusalem and they would just conveniently buy in the priest's gift shop a lamb that, that could be sacrificed. Well, if the lambs are in the 
priest gift shop for your convenience and shopping pleasure, where do you think the priests got the lambs? The lambs came from the shepherds. So you see that these shepherds knew the law that said without the atoning of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin. They knew that the priests were coming on a regular basis to buy these sheep. So if your job as a shepherd was to raise these sheep, you probably saw them from birth. They were probably extremely cute, little white little fuzzballs walking around. You protected them. You loved them. You probably learned not to name them, okay? But you probably named your first few sheep. You know what I mean? Because you just, and there had to be one or two special ones that would just always want to come by your leg and, and wouldn't go off with all the others, but just really loved being by you, the shepherd. But you also knew that when that priest was coming, why that priest was buying those sheep. I think it was very apropos that the shepherds were the first to understand and to be announced that there was a lamb of God that was born that was going to be the perfect sacrifice that would take away all the sins of man so that these sheep would not be used. You see, we needed a perfect sacrifice. We were born into sin. There's no amount of good works that would make or earn our way into heaven. But it was because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross that we can boldly come into God's throne room and cry out, Abba, Father. It's important that we understand why the shepherds were chosen. The wise men were also prepared. You see, you have to understand that many, many years prior to that, Daniel was exiled into Babylon. And as Daniel grew in stature, he was able to share the faith and the teachings so that the Magi, or the wise men, had read that there would be a Messiah. See, prophets foretold this story. So they were readily waiting for a Messiah. Their hearts had been prepared through education to expect a life-changing event through a Messiah, a king that was going to be born. But the contrast is, why wasn't Herod ready for this event? I'm going to ask you some questions. Have you ever wondered why, if the star was bright enough for the wise men to see, how come Herod didn't see that star? Have you ever wondered if Herod had wise men and prophets and chief priests who knew the story, and we'll see that in a second, why they didn't see the star? Why did they not hear or see the angelic host light up the sky when they proclaimed the glorious birth of Christ? You see, I think they had eyes to see and ears to hear, but they didn't. Because one, they were not expecting. You see, the birth of Christ and Christmas as we represent comes to all of us. And if you don't approach Christmas with an expectancy of what it really means, Christmas, December 25th, will come and go in your home and other homes throughout this great country. But I believe that when your heart is prepared and you're expecting, you celebrate Christmas in a whole different way than homes that have no expectancy. Christmas comes and goes and it means nothing to them. Yes, we have been commercialized and it's all about the gifts and it's all about the festive holiday parties and it's all about the ugliest sweater that you can find. That's really Christmas to me, Pastor Mark. No, Christmas is about the birth of Christ, which leads to Easter. And those two events change this world. 
Those two events changed this world more so than anything that you and I will ever see in our lifetime. Sure, 9-11 was horrific. Yes, we went through a horrible thing this, this week. But the birth and the death and resurrection of our Savior changed our culture, changed our society. So much so that our calendars are still based on B.C. and A.D. because of the birth and the death of Jesus Christ. So Christmas is almost here. But are we prepared? And are we expecting? Are we expecting our heart to see something new and more of God? Or are we expecting just to go through the routine? The hectic Christmas shopping. The big Christmas dinner. Getting the relatives in and getting the relatives out, more importantly, right? But it's all about going through the procedures. And yet God wants to use this opportunity to speak to us as he did. The second point of this message is that they were willing to take a journey of faith to see Jesus. When we hear the message, the wise men and the shepherds, they stepped out of their comfort zone to go see. They took an effort to go see, but not Herod. Did you read in that passage, Herod didn't go with them. Herod says, you go and come back and report to me. I love the words of the shepherds when we just read the scripture, and it says, let us go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord has told us about. See, they didn't go and say, well, let us go check it out and see if what we just were told, if it's true. I think if you're in a dark field and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord shines upon you and says, fear not, and I love, they always say fear not, because I think we can't fathom the amount of fear that we would have. And then an army, host of angels appeared, singing glory to God in the highest. And then I'd say, Al, do you, do you think this is real? I think both Al and I would be so dumbfounded, we would do whatever they said. Even if they said, go to Eulis and see the Christ child. And I'd say, Eulis? Are you serious? And please, if anybody's from Eulis, there's no offense. I actually lived in Eulis when I first moved out here. We called it useless back then. But it's, it's a great town. But I mean, I think Al and I wouldn't be deciding if we wanted to go, I think we would be so overwhelmed with the presence of God through these angels that we would say, what's the fastest route for us to go? Dropping everything, all of our requirements and schedules and following to see the Christ child in this announcement. They rushed to Bethlehem to see the baby. I love looking at things all around. You realize that Sheep were their livelihood. You realize that nighttime is probably the most dangerous time with a shepherd. Because there are a lot of forces that would want to take those sheep from you. There were wolves. There were other things that would want to... Thieves. thieves to take these sheep from you. And yet nowhere did we, they say, in four or five days when we prepare an emergency contingency plan, will we then go... They just went. They left their livelihood and they went. You see, sometimes when God's calling you, he's telling you to leave some of the things behind that you don't want to leave behind. Oh, I can't do this, God. Oh, I, I'd go, but I have a casserole in the oven. God's not caring about that casserole. He's caring about your heart pursuing him, no matter what the cost is, no matter how convenient it is. Sometimes God's calling is not going to come in your convenient time. You see, they didn't schedule ahead and say, you know what, Mike, in a couple weeks, you're going to have this angelic visit. This is what's going to happen. We need for you and Becca to, to go over here. The suddenlies of God. The suddenlies of God. 
sending. How about the wise men? Did they make a journey? I love putting myself in the scriptures. I'm not being heretic. I'm just saying I read and I say, okay, what if I were one of the wise men? It could happen. I'm a wise enough. No. Well, what if I were one of the wise men? And I'm getting my camel ready, okay? And Wayne, somebody I really respect, businessman, comes up and says, Mark, what are you doing? Get my camel ready. Where are you going? I'm not really sure. You need me to GPS it? No, I'm going to just follow that star. Oh, you're following a star. And you're a wise guy. I'm a wise man. Yes, yes, I'm a wise man. What are you going to do when you get there? I'm going to see a king. What's the king's name? I don't know. Why are you going? Because I read about this event. Do you realize how much faith it would take to, to step out? And, and I know your greeting cards always show three camels, three wise men, but actually history showed that this was a huge procession, that there were a lot of people because they traveled in an entourage. They didn't go. You think some of our stars today have an entourage? These magi had an entourage. The supplies to make this travel and this trip. So not only am I loading up my camel, I may be loading up 50, 60 camels. And you know, we always talk about the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and I know every Christmas card or every play that you've ever had, it's been this little, little box of gold. But what if, what if that gold was millions of dollars of gold? Oh, Pastor Mark, that's not on my greeting card. You know, what if, okay, <laughs> what if these, these wise men came to, to, to give abundantly, not a token little gift shop gift. They may have given their all in this passage, but when they're getting ready for a passage of faith, people are going to ask you questions like that. Where, where, where are you going? Why, why are you doing this? What's going to happen when you get there? And you know, you're not going to have the answers, but you're following God's calling in your life, and you have to stand in faith and know that he who calls will supply, guide, direct, and lead you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, I just want to make sure you guys were awake. See, I can't see your eyes, so. <laughs> it's a journey of faith, and faith doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Faith can only be explained by hearts that understand faith. See, Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us this. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. A great example is when Kristen said yes to marrying me, okay? That was in faith because I am not what I was then, what I am now. And I'm continuing to grow. But she followed God's call to say, this is the man I've chosen for you. Don't look at him now. I'll change his heart. It's not what we can see. It's about following what God has placed in our heart, a direction. But in the contrast of Christmas, Herod had no faith. He heard the messages from the wise men. In fact, his response was, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. See, when Herod heard this, he's asking, wait, where, where's this king? Another great contrast of Christmas is this. These wise men traveled many months, maybe many, many miles to give their gold 
Their frankincense and their myrrh, they're valuables. And all King Herod is about protecting him against a possible takeover. See the contrast of Christmas? Because all King Herod was was about his position, his power, his authority. The chief priest that King Herod goes to knew the prophecies that were foretold to the wise men. Why didn't they see the star? Why didn't they hear street on, word on the street about what was happening? I think their hearts were just so cold and calloused. You see, why Herod had the same opportunity as the wise men to go and worship. But Herod was more concerned about his position. He had no faith. No faith. Austin and I were up this morning having some breakfast and was watching the news. Quick little story came on. It was talking about how denominational organizations or organized religion was dropping in the United States. And they focused especially on the college students. And the college students were saying, I just don't believe this. I just don't believe this. I don't believe this. And the church is saying this, this, and this. You see, that's what Satan has always been trying to do to tell you, you don't need a savior. You don't need a resurrected Christ. You're good, just, just be good, be nice, have good karma, and that will get you to heaven. I don't wanna trust in karma, I wanna trust in Christ. Because the word of God is telling me that by no other name can I be saved. But see, we as a society have told so many people, believe what you wanna believe, there are no absolutes anymore. Lack of faith is not only affecting our society, it's affecting our world. You see, without faith, it's hard to understand the Christmas story. It's hard to explain a virgin birth. It's hard to explain the heavens lighting up with angels, being a host of heaven. It's hard to explain the mysterious star that led the Magi. But it can be understood with a heart of faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells us this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. You see, before Christmas becomes real to any of us, we must have that journey of faith. We must realize that we will never completely understand. We will never completely understand the wonder of God's love. But in faith, we're ready to accept it. Some people have trouble receiving forgiveness because they grew up in a home that was not a forgiving home. Some people have trouble receiving love because they've never experienced true, unconditional love before. Their whole life has been based on performance. Their whole life has been based upon works. And when I stand here and I preach about a cross that was about unconditional forgiveness, that your sins are forgiven, that his love for you is exceedingly abundantly more than you could even fathom we try to grasp that as much as we can it's almost like we filter it through our experiences and we try to grasp i was saying this week to Kristen, i think that our first day in heaven we will be so our first moments in heaven will be so overwhelmed with all the things that we filtered in this life we didn't truly understand pure love pure forgiveness pure mercy pure peace 
See, we try to fathom peace and what we can have in this world. But the Lord says, my peace I give to you. So here many of us may be today. Some of us are like shepherds. Common folk. Just go to work. They don't know a lot about certain things. But they come to Christ. Some of us may be like the wise men. Still on a journey. Seeking. Using our education. But pursuing Christ. And this week showed us that unfortunately there are still some Herods in this world. The people that have hatred. Their hearts are hardened. There's a story that came out of Newtown, Connecticut that said that many of the homes were taking down their Christmas decorations because they didn't feel like celebrating Christmas anymore. I know they're mourning, and I'm not judging them, but Christmas isn't about your decorations, and Christmas is not about your gifts. Christmas is about a state of mind and understanding that God so loved this world that he gave, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would call upon him and be saved. That's what Christmas is all about. But are we falling in any one of those territories? Do we know people? You say, you know what, Mark? That's a shepherd. That's a Herod. That's a wise man. Because we all fall into one of these three categories. We're either worshiping at Christ's feet, coming to the manger to worship him, or we're saying there is no God. Or if there's a God, what does he want from me? It's important that we understand. Which category do you fall in today? I want to give you an opportunity, you know, as I close every service with a very simple prayer. And that prayer is to ask Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and your Savior. We never know what our last day is. I was thinking as I was watching the news stories, how many of those parents knew that as they were dropping their children off that day, that that would be the last time they would ever see them? How many husbands kissed their wives goodbye that morning, knowing that would be it? We have no idea when we will leave this life and go into eternity. But the prayer that I'm asking you to pray is receiving Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive your heart, forgive you of your sins. You don't know what I've done in the past. And I would say, you don't know the love of my God. Amen. And it's because of that love, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that you can say, please forgive me. And your sins are remembered no more. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, is there anyone here today that says, you know what? I'm feeling more of a Herod spirit on me than I ever have before. Darkness, depression, anger. This prayer is especially for you today. Those that are more of the wise men saying, you know what? I've been on this pursuit to find Christ and I've been doing it for so long, I'm getting tired. I don't really know what direction God's calling me to go in. All I'm doing is I'm following that star. 
today as we're praying, renew, renew your heart towards God. Say, Lord, give me strength in this journey. Would you all please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. What a wonderful opportunity this week before. We have about, what, nine days till Christmas? To truly seek God on what he wants to give you this Christmas. And ask him, God, what do you want me to give you this Christmas? It may be that he just wants more of your time. It may be that he just wants more of your attention, your love. Maybe he wants you to reflect more of him in mercy or grace or forgiveness. See, what God's asking for you cannot be bought online and cannot be brought in from Black Friday. It can only come from your heart. So I challenge you this week, God, what do you want me to give you this week, for this, this year for Christmas? And see what he speaks to you about. I'd like for you to stand and speak as I speak the blessing over you. I also want to remind you that we're honoring one of our boys that came back. We miss Corey. And the Carlsons have some cake and refreshments over there. So we want to let Corey know how much we appreciate him. Also, Chris, we're really proud of you. May the Lord bless you and may he protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today.